you can open your Bible to Romans chapter number 5. I want to teach this month uh, on uh, the, the, the idea of blessed indeed. You see, I, I want you blessed. I want you blessed in every way. I want you blessed in the city. I want you blessed in the field. I want you blessed coming in. And I want you blessed going out. Blessed is more than, than a state of mind. It's, it's greater than a, a geographic location. Blessed is something that changes everything about your life. It changes everything about who you are. It is the understanding that God has in fact empowered, enabled, and entrusted you with His Word to deliver His Word through through this area, through this region, beginning with your family and friends and then rippling out to the place where everybody looks at you and calls you blessed. See, when you're blessed, everything just starts to get different. When you're blessed, uh, things roll off your back a little easier than they would have if you're not. See, when you're blessed, it's like water on a duck's back. I don't know if you've ever seen water on a duck's back, but it just beads off. And an old duck can be swimming in the nastiest, muddiest water, but when he gets out of that nasty, muddy water, he just looks like a crisp, clean duck. Blessed changes everything about your life, period. But sometimes we don't feel blessed. Sometimes we look around and it seems like everybody else is blessed. It seems like everybody else has got it going on. Why do I still have headaches? They don't have headaches. Why, why have I lost my hair? They didn't lose their hair. Why do they get a new car? I, I want a new car. Somebody paid off their house. Why don't somebody pay off my house? Come on, somebody. I could use that. How come they got this? How come they? How come they? And we're sitting there and we're looking and, and, and the whole time we're, we're, listen, we're eating three meals a day, chomp, chomp, chomp. We're sleeping underneath a roof with a blanket, with running water. Come on, indoor plumbing, bless God. And we're looking at somebody else saying, why are they blessed and I don't feel blessed? What's wrong with me? How come I'm not this? And, and we, we get to this idea where it's like, it, it's like this is us right here. Okay, this, this, is, this is me. And it's like we're looking at ourselves going, what's wrong with you? Why are you this way when you should be that way? Why, why is everybody else so thankful to God? And, and why is everybody else so, so blessed? And I see the manifestation of God on them. And I see the power of God on them. What is it about their life that is changing from uh, glory to glory? But in my life, it feels like nothing is happening at all. Why is it that they're so blessed and I'm not? And if you've never had that thought, repent because you're lying. You look at things and you're like, what is going on with them? If I could sing like that, I'd be blessed too. If I could talk like that, I'd be blessed too. If I had a job like that, I'd say I was blessed too. But 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 I can't. I, I, I'm in this place where I'm stuck. I'm in a rut and you're, you're trying to figure out, you know, why is it this way or why is it that way? Number one, God's timing is not always convenient with your flesh. Flesh is a word that is not used very often in 2014, excuse me, 2015 churches. 
Flesh. Flesh is the thing that is at enmity with God. Everything God says, the flesh says, oh, yuck. And everything the flesh says, God says you ought not. So the flesh is this thing that's a part of you that's contrary to God. It's always going the opposite direction of where God would call you to be. And the timing of God is so contrary to your flesh that when your flesh is trying to wait on God, it's screaming at you that you're not blessed it's screaming at you and telling you that you are not uh living uh the, the the blessings of god and these things that you hear about other people have access to but you do not you're not in a position to be blessed by god let me just give you some examples and we'll just use the bible since we consider it the greatest and highest reference on planet earth right now uh, there was three young men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if you watch them, they were uh, devout to Jehovah God. They were Hebrew young men. And they served God. And there was a king called Nebuchadnezzar who told them, he said, here's what's going on, boys. I have built a golden statue of myself because I am a God. And I've built a golden statue of myself. And here's what's going to happen. When you hear the New Heights Church praise and worship team fire up some great music, what you're going to do is you're going to fall on your face in front of that statue and worship me and anybody who refuses to is going to be thrown in the fiery furnace fiery furnace we don't even use that kind of word around here anymore it would be like getting thrown in a pit of fire it would be like getting thrown in, in, in an area where they would heat different metals and stuff. Very, very hot. Like the closest thing we would see on a daily basis to what this would look like would be like one of those big pizza ovens. The reason they make those big pizza ovens because they're able to get so incredibly hot. They're able to hold the heat. They've got you know big, uh, thick bricks most of the time that they're made out of so they can retain the heat. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go, well, well here's the deal. The Bible says... Or at least in their recollection of what the Bible had written at that time says that we only worship God and that's it. We're not worshiping you. You're not a God. We're we're happy for you to be king, whatever. But we're not worshiping you. It goes against everything on the inside of me. And they said, well, here's what's going to happen, boys. You don't. You'll burn. They said, our God says we do and we'll burn. You want to burn a little bit or you want to burn a lot? So they sit there and they said, he says, well, what's going to happen is if you don't do this, it's what's going to happen. You're going to get thrown in the fire. And of course, here comes the music. Leo's playing the guitar all awesome like he was. And all of a sudden, everybody starts to lay on their face and they get, they're worshiping this statue, this pagan idol, uh, demon god. And, and, and everybody's on their face and here's these three Hebrew boys standing there going, well, it's not going to go well. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king, says, listen, I told y'all, if y'all don't fall on your face, you're going to burn. Three young men says, we told you we're more concerned about eternal fire than your fire. So they stand there. And Nebuchadnezzar says, well, I tell you what, heat it up hotter, seven times Hotter. Now, I don't know if that meant seven more blocks of wood or what, but either way, it got hotter. Either way, it got so hot that if you got close to the thing, the fire would leap out and burn you up and kill you. That's enough to teach on right there. Get away from sin in your life because it'll jump out and get on you. So anyhow, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say one of my very favorite uh, quotes in the whole Bible, if not my favorite. Nebuchadnezzar said, I told y'all, if y'all don't bow, you're going to burn. What say you? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say it like this. They say, we're not careful to answer you in this. They say, listen, we understand uh, that what we say is either going to set us free or condemn us in your eyes. But we don't even have to think about this. We made our decision long before this temptation showed up. I have decided what's going to be my standard and what's not going to be my standard. Meaning I don't go to the bar and decide whether or not I'm going to get drunk. I just don't go. I've already decided. It doesn't make any difference to me. So they said, we're not careful to answer you in this. And then they said it like this. Our God, whom we serve, is able, can deliver us, listen to me, and will deliver us. But then they said my favorite part. They said, but if he does not, we don't serve you, we serve him. And I put it in different terms briefly. The music played. Everybody else fell on their face, worshipped the statue, and were fine. Standing up, exposed them to the torment and the trials that the king was trying to bring. Meaning, if you just looked at it, everybody else was blessed except them. God's timing, God's timing is never convenient with your flesh. Number two, God's methods for delivering you are not always attractive. God's methods for delivering you are not always attractive. Now Nebuchadnezzar's sitting there. He's got all his guards and his uh, secret service guys around him. And he's telling them, he said, I told you boys, if you don't bow, you're going to burn. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are sitting there going, we told you that if we bow, we're more concerned about burning with our God than we are burning with you. And Nebuchadnezzar says, fine, that's it. Take those three men, tie them up and throw them in the fire. I can just see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all tied up going, do you think he's going to deliver us? Shadrach's probably going, oh yeah, brother, but he's got that foot tap and that nervous tap. You know what I'm saying? Meshach's going, I don't know, but it's really hot over here. Abednego's over on the other side going, guys, uh, are we sure it wouldn't be okay to just like bow one knee, just maybe just one knee? Is it going to be a big problem? Because he said seven times hotter, but then he, he comes to himself and he says, nevertheless, whatever God has for us is what we're going to endure, but we don't serve demon statues. So uh, Nebuchadnezzar has them tied up. And the guys that work for him, they take those three young men and, and, and bind, they're, they're bound. And the Bible says that they throw them in the fire. Boom. The fire is so hot. Have you ever been where the fire is so hot? I've been through some situations in my life where the fire was so hot and the fire was telling me things and telling me what it was going to do to me and threatening me and telling me how you're never going to make it this way. And I remember time and time again grabbing my little wife's hand and saying, if we live in a ditch, we live in a ditch, but we serve Jesus Christ and Him alone. We're not backing up. We're not backing off. We're not going to quit believing. We're not going to slow down believing. And when he turns it up, we turn it up. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, bound, get thrown in the fire. 
And the guys who threw them in get killed. But here's the situation. You have an anointing on your life that will protect you in difficult situations. But that doesn't mean that you can go and let somebody else get close to the fire who might not be as protected as you because they can't sustain it. Can I put it differently? Don't cause your brother to stumble. Just because you can handle something because you have been saved for 800 years and everything's hunky-dory doesn't mean that you can lead somebody up there close to the thing that's trying to jump out and kill you and them knowing that you can turn around anytime you want to. They might not be able to. So he's walking with them and they get thrown in the fire and the fire jumps out and it kills the guys who threw them in there and they're sitting there and they're being consumed by the fire or, or should be getting consumed by the fire and Nebuchadnezzar looks in and he goes, wait a minute. He said, didn't we throw three guys in the fire? They said, yeah, we threw three guys in the fire. What's the problem, King Neb? He says, well, I see four men in the fire and one of them looks like the Son of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are sitting there bound in chains and all kind of nonsense, get thrown in the fire, and all of a sudden they find out that Jesus was waiting on them in the middle of their trial. I would rather Miss Annette have not had an accident this week, but Jesus Christ showed Himself strong in the accident. I would rather have not gone through some of the things that I've gone through, but I have found Him to be so faithful that He shows Himself strong in the middle of the fire and not just outside of it. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar looks and says, I see four men loose and unhurt walking around. Dr. Oral Roberts probably said it best. He says, I see four men in the fire and they're all marching around in a Jericho march. He says, you guys come out of there. All three of them come out. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Jesus, I guess, vanishes or goes back to heaven or wherever he is. He says, here's what's going on, boys. There's no God like your God. And the only person that you guys got to answer to now is me. Everybody else works for you. And oh, by the way, when you hear the music, you don't have to bow. It's fine. You just keep your God happy. Here's the situation. God's route for your promotion oftentimes goes through the fire. It's just kind of scary looking in. But he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's not valuing somebody else above you because you see Johnny blessed, because you see Ray blessed, because you see Matthew blessed. Doesn't mean he's not going to bless you. All I'm asking you in 2015 is refuse to bow. Refuse to bow. Refuse to bow. And time and time again, you're going to have opportunity and it'll look different for you than for me. The odds of it being a big golden statue are not very likely, I'll be honest with you. But the odds of it being something that you know would cause a grievance on the inside of you called conviction. Thank God for conviction. That's how we know what we ought And should not do. Can we all agree that we should pray? 
Can I just ask a question? Do you ever feel like you don't know what to pray? Or maybe you don't know how to pray, or maybe that's not it. Maybe it's just hard to pray. Because whether you meant to or not, you did something, said something, thought something, or returned to the thing you said you'd never return to. So now you've got these thoughts going on in your mind that are saying, God can't hear you because you did that. God can't hear you because you did this. Let me just give an example. This is nobody in the room. Uh, let's say you're, you're at work and, and, and somebody says something and you know that uh, you man, it's a conversation you should walk away from and, and you go five minutes into that conversation longer than you want to and now you're walking back to your desk and you're feeling conviction for having had the conversation five minutes longer than you should have had the conversation and you sit down and all of a sudden you're in the place where you're going, man, I, I wish I hadn't done that, I wish I hadn't done that and then you start to pray and that voice on the inside of you or that voice over here on your shoulder starts to say, you can't pray, look what you just did. You're a heathen. You're no good. God can't hear you. Look what you just did. What's different about you? You just did this and that. God can't hear you. Number three. Anything. Please underline anything. That tries to make it difficult. For you to connect with God. Is a lie. The fact. That something is trying to make it difficult for you to connect with God is how you know it is a lie. Jesus did this. He walked around connecting with people constantly. And the only people on planet earth in three and a half years of his ministry that he took issue with consistently were the religious zealots who were trying to prove to people that it was difficult to get to God. The Pharisees who would say, no, I can get to God, but you can't get to God. I can get to God, but you can't get to God. I can get to God, but you can't get to God. Trying to create more of a separation than was already there. Trying to create more of a separation. And Jesus despises that. So anything in your life that tries to make it difficult for you to connect with God is a lie. And as soon as you hear it and recognize it as a lie, it's in that moment, it's in that opportunity for you to completely turn from that thought and turn towards this thought that says, I am the righteousness of God in Him. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. All things have passed away, and, and all things, old things have passed away, and all things have become new. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Romans 5, verse number 12. Romans 5, verse number 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, meaning one man brought sin, and sin brought death, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Everybody within the sound of my voice is out of the seed and lineage of Adam. And Adam is a sinner. Through one man's sin, all of humanity was tainted and stained, whereby uh, given the uh, uh, verdict and the sentence of death through one man. The Bible says in, in, in verse 17, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance, everybody say abundance, of grace and of the gift, the gift, 
the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Let me paraphrase. If by one man sin, death reigned in your life, and it is lawful and just, then it is lawful and just for one man's obedience to purchase your life back. If one man's disobedience can put you over here, then lawfully one man's obedience can get you back over here. I was born Brian Lee Hallam, not L-E-I-G-H, L-E-E. My brother used to tell me it was L-E-I-G-H. He was wrong. Brian Lee Hallam, born in Jasper, Texas, at Jasper Memorial Hospital, if I remember right. Maybe I don't remember. But that's where I was born. I, I was born happy and healthy. I was, I was, I was uh, 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 born and, and everybody was ecstatic, as you are now. Everybody was so pleased. But can I just say this? My mom and my dad did not counsel with me before they named me Brian Lee Hallam. My mom and dad did not counsel with me to ask me, do you want to have an older brother? My mom and dad did not counsel with me and say, is it okay for you to live on Ogden Street? Are you pleased with Ogden Street? I said, meh. Are you pleased? Is this where you want to live? Is, is everything fine with you? Meaning, I had no say in how I was born. You had no say in being born in sin. You did not ask for it. You did not beg for it. If God would have asked you, you would have said, no, thank you. I would rather not be born in sin. But one man ruined the whole thing for us. And we're not mad at Adam. If he hadn't done it, you would have. Or Johnny would have. Through one man's sin, death reigned. You had no choice. None. You were just born. But Brian Lee Hallam was born again by choice. You see, when you're born, you're very needy. You have a very selfish spirit. If you don't believe me, don't feed a baby for three hours and see if they don't get selfish. When you're a baby, you take, 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 and what you give, 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 nobody wants. You're born selfish with heavy need, and I'm not trying to be hard on babies. Y'all know what I'm saying. But when you're born again, now you're a new creature. Now the selfish side of you is what brings the conviction out of you. Now the selfish side of you is what causes you to want to shift back towards the things of God instead of saying, somebody feed me, somebody change me, somebody. 
You don't have a choice in how you're born. But the Bible says in verse 17, it says, By one man's offense, death reigned. But much more we receive abundance of grace. And listen to me, the gift, the gift of righteousness. Righteousness is a gift from God. And an interesting thing about a gift is you can't earn it. There's times in your life when you're going to have the opportunity to choose right and wrong. Choose right. There's times in your life when you're going to have the opportunity to press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ. Or not press towards the high calling. But never, ever, ever allow. Never, ever, ever allow your ideology on righteousness to get past the fact that it is a gift from God purchased by one man's blood Adam cursed us all Jesus blessed us all Adam brought sin and death Jesus brought righteousness and life in your life and in my life we have to understand that anything, 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 anything that's trying to make it difficult for you to connect with God is a lie. The most difficult thing that could have happened happened already with three nails on an old wooden cross. And then three days later, the victory broke out. Jesus, the Bible says, when he died, that there was earthquakes. Boom. Darkness covered the earth. Said so people got up out of their graves and walked around. Wouldn't that be a day? How'd you like to drive down the street and see some people climbing out of a graveyard? What a day. But one of the greatest things that happened that day was the veil in the temple. This is a relatively decent veil. The Bible says that it was ripped from the top to the bottom. And one side of the coin says this, Now we have access to the holiest of holies. But I kind of like this. Now His presence is loosed all over you and me. Goes where you go. Stays where you stay. Traffic accident. I'm there too. Fiery furnace. I'm there too. Belly of a whale. I'm there too. In prison. I'm there too. Wherever you find yourself, He's there because the veil that seemed to hold Him from getting to you where you are is now torn and completely destroyed. So the idea that you cannot connect with God is a lie from the pit of hell that has to be washed out with the water of the Word from your mind so that when you pray, you know that your Father in Heaven hears you and when He hears you, He gives you what you petition Him for. I ask everybody to bow your head and close your eyes.